welcome to the Voices of the Elephant podcast. Each episode of Voices of the Elephant brings you an interview with a member of the PHP community. From project leaders to user group organizers, we talk to the people that are helping make the PHP community special. Elephant, it's the booze talking. We're here at Sunshine PHP 2019, and we have a great panel of um, guests. And our topic tonight is public or speaking at conferences. So I'm going to stop with Kat because you've never done one of these. Nope. Please pick up the microphone and uh, introduce yourself. You can take it out of the stand. I'm okay with this. Okay, stand. okay, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> introduce yourself and uh, what you do, and we'll just pass it around. Uh, I'm Kat. I'm a backend engineer on the FinCrime team at Monza Bank as of three months ago. Um, I switched to full-time Go three months ago. I was a PHP developer before then, and I'm also a co-organizer of PHP Southwest and London Gophers. Excellent. Next. Hey, Jason McCreary. I go by JMac. Uh, I've been working with PHP for about 15 years now, and recently took some of the side projects I have in PHP full-time, so enjoying that. Okay, my good friend David. Hey, I'm David Bissett. I work remotely. I've been doing PHP and, for, and WordPress development for over 10 years. I help organize various local events, including WordCamp Miami. Hey, I'm Bill Kondo. Um, I organize Columbus PHP for the last 10 years or so and uh, occasionally do uh, speaking at conferences. Hey, I'm Michael. Um, I just left a company called Sam Knows, and I'm about to start a new company called Bud. Uh, I'm also involved with The Fig, uh, Symphony Security Lead, and PHP BB. Uh, Jeremy McCullough, I'm here as Michael's uh, chaperone. Uh, <laughs> just kidding, I work at MongoDB. <laughs> My name is Dave Stokes. I'm a community manager for MySQL, which means Oracle pays me to go around speaking at computer conferences. I started using PHP back when it was called Personal Homepage, which was now 25 years ago. Damn. And for, for Cal's benefit, I will admit that I did unspeakable things back when I was a mime. <laughs> Chris. Uh, so my name is Chris Harches. I currently work for Mozilla um, as part of the ecosystem QA team, testing a bunch of internal services there. But I've been involved in the PHP community since 1998. Uh, I've done both organizing conferences and been speaking at conferences for a very long time. Yep. Uh, my name is Matt. I helped organize Atlanta PHP, Nashville PHP, Nashville APIs, and Southeast PHP. I'm a speaker and a senior OOPS engineer under the wonderful and beautiful Jonathan Wage at uh, More Commerce. And last but not least, my good friend, Ms. Beth Tucker-Long. Yes, so I'm Beth Tucker-Long, and I run a consulting firm out of Madison, Wisconsin, and I also run Madison PHP User Group and Conference. Very good. Okay. Tonight's topic. Here for this mic. Tonight's topic is um, speaking at conferences. And um, a, a lot of people are, we're encouraging a lot of people to try to get involved in speaking at conferences because, quite honestly, I'm tired of seeing all of y'all speak at every dang conference, okay? So we're encouraging other people to get involved. So I'm going to start with this side of the room, the, the left side of or my left, um, uh, the, the speakers. What do you want? organizers to know? What's your biggest problem with um, conference organizers? And Bill, I'm going to start with you. Oh, wow. <laughs> I didn't see that coming. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think um, 
the the monetary part and, and the amount of effort you know that goes into a talk. I mean, I don't think this is nothing that folks don't know, mm-hmm. but you know, it is a it is a big big ask. You know, and, and when folks volunteer to speak or you know, submit the, the CFP. Um, you know, I think uh, I've heard stats, and I know myself uh, fall within this range of, you know, 20, 40, 60 hours to put a talk together that would be an original talk. So, you know, most of us uh, either work for ourselves or, you know, get a high dollar amount salary from somebody and, uh, you know, time's money, right? So um, there's not usually a direct payoff. So h- how do we, uh, uh, you know, best work with that, right? Because obviously a lot of the conferences in our community are uh, community-run conferences, you know, for, for nonprofit. There's not too many that are out there for a profit. So, um, you know, I, I think we need to continue to work to find a way to, to balance that. So uh, I'm, I'm curious for ideas. Actually, I put this out on Twitter, something very similar. Mm-hmm. It was actually a, a JavaScript con- conference. I was looking at going to view uh, JS. Um, you know, especially for their their price uh, for their ticket, uh, I think it was somewhere in the neighborhood of eight hundred dollars, right? So I would expect to be compensated as a speaker somehow for that. Well, ha- having run conferences and in that price range, because I used to run ZenCon way back in the day, um, the, the 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 numbers still don't add up. But a lot of that is waste. But we won't talk about that. Um, Chris, as a conference organizer, how do you feel about this? Uh, when I ran uh, True North PHP, which is kind of like a more traditional uh, mm-hmm. conference, like 130 attendees, including the speakers, uh, being one of PHP community's biggest divas, I wanted to make sure that the speakers were treated the way that I wanted to speak. So when I ran the conference, I made sure that made it clear to the speakers I was going to pay for their flight, and I was going to pay for their hotel, and I would go pick them up at the airport if I had to, um, because I do understand, like Bill said, I, having given, I've been speaking at conferences since like. 2007 or 2008, uh, it gets easier over the years to create uh, talks. My first few ones, probably 40 to 60 hours, but these days I can put together uh, a talk on a topic I have not spoken about before in about 10 to 15 hours yeah. worth of work. So I, so I do understand that it is a lot of work and that's why I was always completely upfront telling people, if you come to my events, I'm going to treat treat the speakers the way that I would be expected to be treated. and. Uh, looking at uh, conferences for other programming communities, the PHP world seems to be pretty unique in their willingness to uh, pay for speakers' costs. A lot of other programming languages, people are expected to find their own way to the event. Uh, They're expected to, they'll get a ticket for free, but they're like, you're gonna be paying for your own flight, you're gonna be paying for your own hotel, and that limits the pool of people who can come. I mean, you're complaining about not wanting to see the same people. It's even worse for a programming community where the only people who can go are freelancers who are independently wealthy enough or they're backed by an employer willing to pay their expenses. That's an excellent point. By the way, I forgot to mention, if you want to chime in, please raise your hand and let me, because I don't like people talking on top of each other. Um, Hang on just one second. Dave, I want to throw this to you because you organize word camps. And I know for a fact this has been a topic of um, discussion in word camps, um, or at least in those that speak at word camps, is there is some local talent, and then there are the circuit writers that can afford to pay their own way. How do you, how do you keep this from just becoming the same group of 20 speakers? 
yeah, this has been talked about in the WordPress community all the time about the fact that um, that it's entirely volunteer based and the volunteers include speakers. So the speakers would be paying their own way down there. Um, I think though WordCamps are kind of unique and you almost have to be inside the WordPress ecosystem a little bit to kind of understand that. And even when you are, there's still some debate about it. But long story short, the way at least I see it from from where I'm standing, is that work camps are local events. It is a local event. So it is not it is not being asked of people, at least on paper, to be able to bring in like all these other speakers. Now, Miami has been around for 11 years, and we've kind of grown a little bit in terms of everybody wants to come down to Miami in March, and we, we're, we're an international conference, but really work camps in general are supposed to be, outside of the regional work camp U.S., it's supposed to be your local community. Yeah. You're supporting your local community. So you should be able to find speakers within your local community. That is, that is at least on paper, what work camps are supposed to be about because there's a work camp in almost every city. So it's really, and if somebody you know, independently wealthy wants to come and speak, that's fine because the other aspect is too, you do see locally the same people because they're the ones that are not, you know, they don't have to pay for a hotel, they don't have to pay for travel. But, and then you have these people that can, their companies are usually footing the bill for them to be able to come around. So it has, it has, been, a, it has been a controversy. The way organizers do have to tr strike a balance there in terms of, yes, we can bring in certain people that, that actually will help the local community mm -hmm. bringing in topics. Because if you have the same people over and over, you have the same topics or same things, and your community is not going to grow as a community without fresh ideas that may have to come from outside. Yeah. So, there's a balance there, but for the majority, work, people who run work camps, and I think people who run conferences in general, and I think Pete, the, what, which one are we at right now? Sunshine, mm -hmm. sunshine.php, <laughs> whoa, look at the time. Uh, Sunshine PHP, I think does a good job of that. I'm local, and I didn't have to pay any, you know, nothing was spent on me. I just, I drove myself here. If somebody wants to tip the valley on the way out, that's great. So there has to be a balance. Bring in, you know, have your local talent, but bring in, bring in, Bring in a few heavy David, you wanted to say something? Yeah, I'm, I kind of have two different views on this. Because Oracle pays me to go around and talk, I usually, well, I always pay my own airfare. I do my own hotel. Uh, usually I get free tickets, but I've bought tickets before. And that's because it's my job. But on working on the other side in a conference, what's real interesting is you have someone who submits a presentation, and you have a paragraph of information and you don't know who the speaker is, and you look at the presentation, you go, gee, that's kind of an ambitious thing for like a lightning talk or a 25-minute talk, and you look at it and you go, well, where's this person at? Oh, they're coming from lower left elbow, <laughs> and that's gonna cost a whole bunch of money, you gotta go out and get the visa paperwork, and by the way, the conference is in a month, can you actually do that? So if you are submitting to a, a big conference and you need travel documents or you need invite or you need travel, you need to be up front of that in your, your submission to the thing because otherwise you're just going to break somebody's heart or break your own heart. Yeah. Um, sidebar, you mentioned that you, know, you, you have a paragraph there. Um, I always tell speakers that um, get, get, get your, your title has got to grab people because the paragraph that you write that is your abstract is only there to keep your picture from slamming into the next person's picture on the website. Nobody reads those things. Anyhow, Michael. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> so just to sort of take it from you sort of saying it from a WordCamp point of view, um, I, in the past, have uh, acted as a track chair for DrupalCons. 
um, where it's a similar thing in that they don't pay any, any speaker expenses, it's just a ticket. Um, and in specifically, I was a PHP track chair. In the new PHP track, which was supposed to be designed to basically bring people from the wider PHP community to talk about PHP-specific, not necessarily Drupal-specific topics. Um, and they are a DrupalCon, so there is only now one proper DrupalCon, uh, which is the US one. So they do expect an international audience. And I was discussing this with some Drupal folks just last week, um, and their kind of perspective on it is that actually uh, most of the people that they're looking to talk to um, are people that are from their own, uh, that would already seek value in coming to the conference and would be coming anyway. So why should they have to pay those expenses? Um, but the thing that I found really hard when I was speaking to PHP speakers about this um, is that from a PHP speaker, there's not very much value or, or, or there's, there's less value that they would actually get from going to the event, uh, either whether that's personal branding or education. Yeah. Um, so it was really hard. And I think what we ended up doing was a, uh, uh, we, so for Sebastian Bergman and I think Michelle Sandver, we did a sort of a, a GoFundMe basically. Hmm. Um, but I think that, you know, sort of with WordCamp, it's looking at that smaller thing, but DrupalCon, it's supposed to be an international event, but they, uh, they, they still expect you to pay your own way. Um, and I think that there is kind of, that's where you kind of see this disparity where uh, of, uh, um, you know, they're expecting the speaker to be able to take value from the event, uh, which is, I think, not fair. Um, but it's, and that's a big controversy in the Drupal community um, as to whether or not they should pay ex expenses. Um, Okay, that's an excellent point. Um, but hang on. First of all, I want to say OzCon's in the same boat, and I know a lot of people in the P, especially in the PHP community, refuse to go to speak at OzCon because the same thing. Tickets are twenty five hundred bucks, and as a speaker, you get a free ticket. Anyhow, Cap, we haven't heard from you. <clears throat> um, as a speaker, I know as somebody that I speak at on the average of five to seven events per year that um, even though the conference gives you the two nights and the airfare, you can still rack up. You know, I, I end up spending sometimes a couple thousand dollars a year, you know. Tell us from, you know, you're, Kat, you're new into the, the, the wide area community, and um, so I want to hear from you what you think about the, the pay versus covering expenses versus all of this. I mean, I see it as an investment in your career to some extent, I mean, I think, most of us are fortunate enough to be able to afford it. And yes, it is an additional expense. Also in terms of annual leave, um, I pretty much used up at least half of my annual leave last year for conference times. Uh, so if, you're not, if your company is not happy for you to just go conferencing uh, left and right, then that's another expense. Um, and yeah, obviously costs uh, getting to the venue. Very often I'd get somewhere in the morning, work the whole day remotely, then try and make a speaker's dinner. dinner. So it is hectic, but End of the day, it's something that you do for yourself. It's worth it, I think. Yeah. Um, oh, so. I totally agree. Hey, um, by the way, we've got a new speaker, or a new member of our little ensemble here. Um, introduce yourself, and um, people probably don't know of the conference that you do, so please tell us what conference you <laughs> <laughs> Hi, it's Adam Culp. I'm, uh, I run Sunshine PHP and, of course, SoFlo PHP in South Florida, the user group. And that is that. Okay. Now, <laughs> since you're here, I'm going to pick on you. All right. Uh, I, I've worked conferences with you, um, both helped you with Sunshine, and you and I have both worked Zencon. Um, and so you and I know the rules, but... I have punished, I have punished you thoroughly. Yes. <laughs> uh, Dave mentioned something to me, and this was news to me when I first took over at Zencon, but um, there are limits to what a conference will pay. 
And when we, when I, when I first set up, or my, when I was doing my first ZenCon, you know, I'm going, oh, I want this person, this person, this person. And I had this woman working with me, uh, Andrea Ginsberg, and she said, this is great. You can have five European speakers. Pick them wisely, <laughs> yeah, because of the cost involved. Talk to us a little bit about the cost that people don't see at conferences. So, as as many of many of the people here know, I, I approach things a little bit differently, right? And that is, um, I, I first off, I only have one talk per speaker, which is not normal for a conference, no, right? That's very unusual. And, and and because the reason is, is I want more community at the event. My goal, um, to to uh, Chris had a great talk today that he gave the opening keynote, and one of the things he said there is have a goal in mind. With, you know, with your events, with the things that you're doing, have a goal in mind. And my goal for Sunshine PHP was to bring more community to South Florida, to ignite South Florida, to get more PHP usage in South Florida. So I felt that the, the way to best achieve that was to have more speakers. And therefore, if I have, if I have a three-track conference, that's five talks per day, three tracks, uh, I, need, I need 30 speakers, and then I'm also doing five keynotes. So, uh, so I, I came at it a little bit differently. I said, okay, if I want to have that many speakers come to the event, then obviously I need to figure out a way to cover those expenses. Um, so I, I adjusted the ticket price, and I played with that the first few years of the conference. We've been doing this for seven years. This is the seventh year. The first three years, I, I kept incrementally increasing the prices of the ticket to be able to accommodate that. Um, and I knew how much I needed in sponsorships. So I, I, the, the, the amount of dollars per sponsorship has stayed pretty steady. Um, I haven't increased the price of the sponsorships because I, I approached that a little bit differently as well. I wanted to make sure that I was able to provide an X amount of attendees and allow sponsors to be able to only spend a certain dollar amount per head, right? And, and you appreciate I, that, by the way. Yeah, and and with that in mind, I figured, okay, well, if the if the sponsors, if I'm only able to pull this much to be able to facilitate that, I keep my sponsors 14 to 15 per year. Um, I don't get more than that. That's it. Um, I, I turn sponsors away after that point, and I have turned sponsors away. Um, but to that point, so I adjusted the ticket price, and, and but those are the goals that I had in mind for the event, and it's been the goals from day one, and I've been able to maintain that. So I don't know if that exactly answers the question, but oh, that, that is was, how I handle it. That was very good. Now, <laughs> something else you should probably add is, what does it cost you for an earn a coffee at ZenCon? Oh, geez. people don't. Average person doesn't understand that. Price. Yeah. we we don't we don't have time to discuss the <laughs> the financial implications of having the coffee out at all times, unless Michelangelo is sponsoring. Okay, that's a whole different story. Um, I, I'm going to ask um, Beth. Now, Beth, I do not mean to insulting uh, insult you. Okay, because no, of course I think don't. I, I, uh -oh, <laughs> I have plenty of chance to do that. Um, I think of Madison as a I don't want to say a quaint little conference, but you, you're you're a very sure. local or regional focused yep. conference and I love that. Mm -hmm. I love the fact that you run speaker seminars leading up to it just yep. to get your local people involved. Yep. How do you deal with the, um, because you're trying to focus on your local community, how do you deal with the cost of, well, I don't know that you have to bring in um, big names like um, Trask or, or, or Adam, but so when we started up the conference, we did specifically want to focus on having a, a, 
a format for our bolstering our local community and fostering local speakers. So we do try to have at least one track be all local speakers, and we really focus on new speakers as well. But we also wanted to bring outside talent in to introduce our local devs to the greater world of PHP as well. So um, yeah, and one of the other things we really focus on is we want the speakers to be at the entire conference. Yeah. So we cover hotel for the night before the conference starts and the night after the conference ends, as well as all during the conference. So it can get quite expensive, especially if we're bringing in a number of speakers or international speakers. We try to bring them in a day or two early, earlier than that even, so they can adjust to the time zone. The older ones of us, yeah. we appreciate <laughs> that. <okay>? Yeah, <laughs> and so it can be quite expensive, but we try to make sure that we have sponsors that can cover the speakers that we're going to be bringing in mm -hmm. and um, try and to keep our... Do you do this company is sponsoring this speaker, or do you just you, we you don't. do collect? Okay. Um, I know some conferences do that. Sure. No, we keep it a little bit more general, and we have them sponsoring the conference as a whole just because we're trying to build the community, and so we want the sponsors and attendees to feel like they're all working together towards one event. Okay. Okay. New topic. And I'm going to start with, again, Mr. Chris Hargis on this. <clears throat> <laughs> As a speaker, uh, yeah. I was only doing that because he had his phone. He was obviously bored. Um, as a speaker, the waiting game is just a pain. So I've got to ask, and this goes to every conference organizer in the room, why don't you love me enough to tell me if I got the slot or not? And if I didn't get the slot, please, God, tell me that I didn't get it. What, what, talk to me about the, uh, I would like to refer to them as Dear John letters. Do you send out rejection letters or, do, well, it's a lot better than rejection letters. Matt's over here dying. There's an inside joke there. Oh, okay. Um, do you send out rejection letters? Do you not send them out? So when I ran conferences where, you know, we would get papers submitted to us, uh, people who had submitted stuff and got rejected can tell you that every year I would write a customized rejection letter. Wow. Uh, and I would send it to everybody. And basically the whole thing was, you know, I know so many of the people that submit and I, you, people really need to understand that sometimes I'd like your talk, but your talk doesn't fit the goal of what I'm trying to do. Maybe two people are speaking and if two people are doing it and I have a newer person or if I have a Canadian person because the goal was to highlight Canadian talent, uh, just how I was trying to curate the event would change it. But I strongly believe that uh, form letters suck and and being rejected from uh, conferences is bad enough and a lot of speakers really take it personally when they really shouldn't Ooh, yeah. it's like just because I don't like your talk doesn't mean I don't like you like but some people just have a really hard time unless separating. you're Raphael Domes yeah, there, yeah. <laughs> but it, I, I tried to make it so that that I am aware that you submitted a talk and I am actually going to be honest and do I don't want to do some, I could have easily written something for OpenCFP to do a generic, sorry your talk sucked and we didn't accept it. I could have written something like that, but I actually took the time to build uh, and write an email that I would send to everybody and just tell them, sorry your talk wasn't picked and that's just how it is. I used to do that when I was running um, tech with Beth and there was a whole paragraph in there that says, look, if you want to increase your odds, submit this talk as a article to Beth. Here's her email address for PHP Architect because that's a way that you can increase your visibility and get picked. And just as a final thing, 
I never wanted to spend any time telling people why I didn't accept their talk because no. it just leads to hard feelings. Yeah. Because then people, if you say, well, I didn't accept your talk because you're a new speaker or I didn't accept your talk because I've seen you speak a hundred times. It's like, I'd like other people. My policy was, I'm sorry I've rejected your talk, but I'm, I'm going to spend exactly zero time telling you why I didn't take yeah, your there, talk. If, what, if it's not in the email, I'm not going to tell you about there's it. There's no upside for a organizer to, to dive into that. And no. I've had this discussion several times. Yes, Jeremy, what is it? We have some footage. Of? Of right one now. of these emails that was personally written by Chris Hartchess. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Would you be interested in a dramatic reading which could be cut and trimmed in post? Subscribe. <laughs> Please do. My apologies for the bulk email, but it's too much work for a Monday morning to write something to filter out the folks who got accepted and those that did not. This was sent to everybody, BCC, Michael Cullum. <laughs> <laughs> One of the hardest things of running a conference is selecting the talks and speakers. 102 of you submitted almost 300 talks. We have only 28 slots and four tutorial slots available. Inevitably, this means that many, many people will have to receive the bad news that we did not accept their talk submission. Earlier this morning, grumpy standard time in parentheses, <laughs> I sent emails out to 24 people inviting them to speak at True North PHP 2015. Michael Cullen was much younger then. <laughs> if you did not get an email about this, then we did not select your talk for the conference. <laughs> Due to time constraints and a desire not to debate with folks about the process, we will not be able to select or offer feedback as to why your talk was not selected. This year, we looked at all of the talks, and if two of the three organizers liked the talk, it made the shortlist. This was about 40 talks. We then did a second pass, filled in all the slots, and I sent out the emails. As a long-time speaker, I can tell you and understand the feeling of rejection. It's not personal. It's all about trying to build a puzzle with pieces that are all sorts of weird and random shapes and sizes. Your screen has been locked. Please unlock. <laughs> Your screen has been locked. Please unlock. Thank you. <laughs> Sometimes great talks are not a good fit for what we're hoping to accomplish. None of this means your talk sucked or that we don't like you. It's never personal. Life is too short and memories too long for that kind of behavior. Spelt with O-U-R. Canada. <laughs> Hashtag Canada. If you are still interested in coming to the conference on your own dime, we can offer you a ticket at the early bird rate once they go on sale. Dash, dash. Chris Harches. That's actually much more polite than I would thought. But um, very Canadian. And to your credit, I didn't. When I was running ZenCon, I used to just I had a boilerplate, and I would send them out. And if it was somebody I knew or I recognized the talk as something that I really wanted, I would put a comment at the top, you know, in parentheses, "Hey, you know, sorry about that." But at ZenCon, and Adam does has this. Um, we'd have three or four hundred talks rejected. And it's a day's worth of work to send those out, each one, and so that's, that's why. Um, David, you, you, you raised your hand. Oh, it's kind of hard to follow that up. Uh, <laughs> no, there's, I think, I, I don't know, I'm making an assumption here. I probably deal with more non-professional speakers than everyone else in here. I think a lot of people, you probably deal with people that probably submit talks on a regular basis. WordCamps are local, so you have that one person that probably is submitting one or two talks. So the couple of things that I found that were helpful was be preemptive. Even before they submit the talk, we actually create a page on the website. And I know you've seen this before, mm -hmm. where basically we guide them in terms of the topics that we are looking, that possible topics we're looking for. I mean, 
but you know, think outside the box if you want to. But here's a guide. Like we get 200 SEO talk submissions. Try to avoid those because if we we're going to pick one, you're only going to pick one. And then when it comes to, we also have a status page. So while while the, when the submissions end, the deadline ends, and before we announce, we put a page up saying this is how many submissions we got. We try to be as transparent as possible while trying to maintain some level of, like you know, not you know, not too transparent, so everybody knows what we're doing every day. And then when the rejections come in, we try to get. We don't call them rejections. We call them, um, you know, maybe next times. And we get those all out before the speaker announcements so they're not wondering whether or not they're, they're, being, they're, they're being selected if they're hearing speakers being announced. And finally, in the email, although we do not send bulk emails out, we do try to pick a couple of different different format of emails. And most of the time, it's we just didn't have the room. But because they're WordCamps, we can say, listen, we'd love your talk. If you're local, come speak at our meetup. Come speak at our meetup. Wow. One more time. Come speak at our meetup. Yes. yes. And we also refer other conferences in where they are posting from. So it's like, sorry, but we really want to hear you speak here. Here's, you know, here's our other suggestions we can go to. We're investing some of our time to help you out. And as a speaker, I, I do appreciate that. As a conference organizer, I appreciate you helping um, build that community without just rejecting them. Um, I, I will say that last year, WordCamp Miami actually had too many people. And the proof of that is David has accepted a talk from me this year. So uh, last year I wasn't able to come. They had too many people. I said, well, we got to have Cal back and cut the number down. So um, Beth, you had a comment. Um, so at Madison PHP, we usually have 250 to 300 talk submissions. And so it's not possible for us to write individual emails to people. But what we do is we have a field where we can write custom notes to people if we want. And then when the emails are sent out, that field is included. So if we do have certain people where you know, we want to give them an extra suggestion, we can. And then we also try to keep our emails always giving them a path to move forward. So yes, we include important. information on mentoring resources and helpmeabstract.com. And we offer to have them get in touch with us if they'd like us to mentor them or set them up with a mentor as well. And we also offer to help them find other places to submit their talks too. So we try to keep it very positive. And we do also um, notify everyone one way or the other so that everybody has something definitive so nobody's wondering. And keeping it positive, I think, is the important part. Um, you know, I always, when I was writing, whether it was for Tech or ZenCon or DPC or any, any of the other ones, um, I always tried to, hey, this is not personal, unless you're Rafael Doms. Uh, this is not personal, it's an inside joke, okay? He knows I'm kidding. Um, it's not personal, it's just it didn't fit or we had too many in that thing, but there was always a path forward. Send it to Beth. Um, go speak at your local user group. For God's sakes, don't try to start at the national level. Cut your teeth at your local user group, mainly because you'll never have another group that is that friendly and wants you to succeed that much. They're your friends, they want you to succeed. Anyhow, uh, Michael and then Matt, and then we're gonna change topics. Michael? Um, so when uh, I was just looking up the looking up the statistics, and back in uh, twenty sixteen when we when we ran PHP South Coast, mm -hmm. uh, we had fifty percent new speakers versus experienced speakers. Um, and one of one of the aims that with that with that particular conference was trying to trying to bring people into speaking and sort of and a lot of people like that was their first, their first conference speaking at. Um, but 
selecting those talks that are of sort of uh, newer speakers was a lot harder. Um, and one of the most important things was actually things like joined in, uh, like links to talks that they'd done at user groups. Um, and like all, all over the place there are user groups and you've kind of stolen my thunder a bit here. Uh, thanks, Cal. Um, but there, and some user groups are amazing at this. Um, PHP Southwest in the UK, for example, um, in Bristol, uh, is probably one of the best user groups I've ever seen in terms of uh, talk feedback. Every single talk has at least five pieces of feedback, and they're about a paragraph or two long. Um, but there are, there are so many user groups. And that's basically how we picked uh, new speakers in terms of um, you know, we could see that they've done talks before, we could see that they had, uh, had things to improve on um, and what to improve, and we sort of then offered them mentoring and, and that kind of thing. So, and I've just joined the Joined In uh, uh, new team that's taken that over, so like a big shout out to Joined In, again, they're kind of their uh, shameless plug. Um, but Joined In is like, it's, it's, a, it's a massive resource for, for speaker feedback, um, so try and get your user group to, to offer, um, put post feedback when, and yeah, definitely get involved with your local user group there. Okay, Matt, and then we'll change topics. Yeah, so for you know Southeast, we had quite a number of international speakers, so I made sure not to point out that it was expensive to bring them over. Um, one of the ones I really missed out on was Tib uh, Tobias Nyholm, who's a Symphony Core contributor, uh, overall you know awesome person. There's no way I could afford to bring him. But anyone who I knew personally, I tried to send not only like we sent the, the generic emails, and I embargoed Twitter. Um, while I made sure that everyone who was going to speak acknowledged it. So that way, you know, because those emails always go out first. And so I want to make sure people who didn't get selected weren't just like blindsided by uh, 30 people or so saying, hey, I'm speaking at this conference and they didn't have a, because I've gotten some sweet text messages. But the other thing is if, if, if you did submit to Southeast and I knew you personally, I tried to reach out to you via Twitter, text message, phone call, something and say hey it's not personal but you didn't fit the conference you know so you didn't fit the conference topic that we're going for something like that you know i, I didn't have time to write 300 emails but if i knew you I, I did try and go you know the extra foot above my height and <laughs> say something nice to you i got one of those text messages and you said it's nothing personal but we've accepted you so <laughs> <laughs> it really was nothing personal yeah. I knew Nashville would have shot me if I didn't bring you. <laughs> okay, um, we have um, gone around the room. That's been a, uh, a great topic. But now um, we're going to change topics for a minute because my friend Adam has a topic that he'd like to discuss. Adam? Oh, actually, I was I could add to that one. Okay, okay. add to that one. <laughs> so, so at Sunshine, I you know I, I run running Sunshine PhD and also running ZenCon multiple years. Um, I, I had I, it's it's a little unique, right? Because those two conferences, for some reason, we get tons of submissions. Um, you know, yeah, maybe it's because of maybe February, it's because we're in Miami in February. <laughs> yeah, um, but. But, but we average about 700 submissions, right? And which is a lot more than events, uh, other, other events. And it's, I mean, it's primarily because everybody wants to come to Miami in February. Um, but that being said, it, there's no way, I mean, it, it, when, you're, when you're looking at 700 submissions, you're also looking at 250 people submitting those submissions. 
So that's a lot of rejection. If I'm only accepting 30 speakers, that is 210 speakers who are not getting accepted. Yeah. And it's impossible for me to do 210 custom letters. I would love to do it, but I can't. <laughs> so, I, so I do much like, like, like Beth was saying, where I create a custom letter and it has bullet points of, here are some reasons why you might not have been accepted. And it's, it's the same for everybody, but it is, it is pretty standard, you know. Um, not enough speaking experience, maybe maybe we only accept so many international speakers and things like that. And then there's also a second section in there with here's some things that you might want to do to make it to in, improve your chances for next year, right? And that is speak at local user groups, uh, get get some feedback on joined in, make you know if you have the availability, put some videos out somewhere or or go to a conference that does uh, do videos. And I realize everybody can't do that, but it's just an idea, right? Um, and generally, we, uh, you know, I share like nine to ten bullet points of here are some things that you might be able to do to improve your chances. Now, sometimes I'm talking to speakers who have been speaking for 10, 15 years. Obviously, many of those things don't apply. It's just that we just couldn't accept everybody, right? It's only 30 speakers and we had 250 submit. <laughs> There's going to be some rejection there. Um, now, the one thing that I do do is usually I reach out to the speakers that we're thinking of accepting. And I say, hey, don't tell anybody about this email, but are you still available? Because yes. I want to make sure that they're still going to be available. And I, I do that because I don't want to send out a rejection letter. And in turn out, I do need to invite somebody because no sense in breaking their heart and then turning around and trying to patch things up because it's always, it's always emotional, right? No matter how many times you've been rejected, it's always emotional to be rejected. I mean, I, I speak it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I speak at 10 to 15 conferences a year, but I still get rejected from 10 to 15 more, right? So obviously, it's it's and it's always emotional for me, even though I'm being accepted in many other places. It's it's still emotional for the ones that I am rejected from occasionally. Um, so I can. Hey, Jeremy, are you available for a dramatic reading of my rejection letter? <laughs> no, we've, we've done one. We've done one. All right. Um, okay. but, but that's all I have, so I just wanted to share that. I got a new topic. Um, and again, I'm going to start with Chris, although I'm going to uh, follow up with the speaker side of the table. Um, I'm going to start with you because you have experience in this. You have run True North, which was traditional CFP, mm -hmm. but you also ran Grumpy Comp, which oh, was... Poor old Grumpy Comp. Um, <laughs> but it was, it was different because it was a curated talk. You did not put out a CFP. You said, these are the people that I want. Talk to us about the pros and cons of doing curated versus um, just open call. So Grumpy Comp was, was uh, an event very different from what I had done with True North. True North was like about getting a wider range of people to come in and getting them exposed to uh, PHP and then the sort of personal skills that go with being a successful programmer mm -hmm. at a lower level. And the idea with Grumpy Conf was, I mean, to be honest, I did True North for five years and I got bored by the fourth year. Mm. And every year afterwards, I would have a meeting with Pete Meth, who was my partner, mm -hmm. and we'd be like, do you want to do this again? And be like, yes, and then finally last time, he was like, were you stressed out by doing it? No. How about you? No. I said, okay, well then we're clearly doing this on autopilot now, so we're going to do it one more time. So we had a great time, invited a bunch of people, um, and that, in my entire career, that's the most successful thing I ever did was hmm. North. But I still wanted to do events, I just wanted to do different ones. So I felt if I wanted to do a, uh, a s much smaller event with uh, expert level speakers, instead of giving newer people a chance to talk, I wanted 
subject matter experts and also give the attendees a chance to access people in a way that you do not get at, uh, at a True North or a Sunshine, the kind of traditional multi-track speaker at the front doing that stuff. Mm -hmm. So I felt like if that's what I wanted to do, I needed to pick the people because I wanted the right mix of people with a really high level of technical skill and experience to back that up and then people who, who I also felt were really good at the personal side of things. With curation, it's even rougher because a lot of people will be mad that uh, you oh, didn't yeah. even ask me if I could come, and because I don't, I don't, I almost said the S word, but I don't care <laughs> about your feelings about this. I'm trying to build an event. Um, you know, I did it one year. The format worked. I was convinced that the 2019 one could work. I needed 18 tickets, and three people bought tickets, so mm -hmm. I pulled the plug on the event, and it cost my little uh, tax write-off business on the side a thousand bucks and a lost thing. And I got to kind of regroup and look at, everyone told me the same things. The idea was really good, and I wasn't willing to be a, a big enough a-hole to say, if the idea is so good, how come you didn't plunk your money down for a ticket? So uh, uh, curated events are, are very different because... I, I've had to cancel events, so I know, I know where you come from. That's, so the curation thing is a much different experience. You're curating because you have a goal in mind. You have a specific um, uh, aesthetic and specific topics that you want to cover. You can't, for a super small event like that, a call for papers would just not work. I agree. Jason, J-Mac. Yeah. Um, I know for a fact that you have been part of both because you're here and this was a um, open call for papers and you were part of Day Camp for Developers and that is a curated event. Talk to us a little bit from the speaker side, which do you prefer um, and what are the pros and cons? Oh. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely flattering to be, I guess, invited to a curated event. Um, I, you know, to back up a second, just on some of the things we've been talking about, I mean, it, like I said, I've been with PHP for probably 15 years now, and I probably tried to start submitting to PHP Talks 10 years ago. I mean, it took, honestly, six years to get kind of in the door. And, you know, I had all the recommendations. I think you told me to start a user group. I started the Louisville user group. Um, you know, uh, I spoke at WordCamps actually in Chicago on my own dime and went up there. And so, you know, it took a lot of time to get there and, and I'd always be the one that probably followed up and annoyed you guys, uh, the organizers of like, oh, what can I do better? And, you know, it was normally, you know, it was, it was good, but it was also a little generic to be fair. So it's like when you check those boxes, it was kind of like, man, so, you know, going back to the, the question, you know, now that, yeah, I'm at a place where I can speak and even be invited to speak at some places that don't have CSP, CFPs, it's, it's been really, uh, really great. Okay, well that's very good, very insightful. Um, Jeremy. I choose you. Uh, <laughs> this was your idea. Talk to us a little bit. What, do you, what are your thoughts on curated versus open call? It just seemed like a good topic to discuss. <laughs> but uh, wow. I, I think there's, uh, there's plenty of benefits to it. I, I know um, so something I picked up from Sunshine was, I think Adam has already done this with keynote selection. And this is something that I think most conferences probably do with keynote selection, but I know Adam, and then I remember um, uh, also to mention uh, Taylor Otwell when he, uh, before Laracon, uh, this was maybe three or four years ago, I remember he came to Lone Star PHP, I saw him at a few other PHP conferences. He basically spent a year attending other community conferences, and then the subsequent Laracon year, uh, which is always a curated conference as far as I can remember. Yes. He basically picked non-Laravel community speakers to come and present, but he was basically doing research over the course of the year. And so I, I also recognize that Adam does this for the keynote selection. 
uh, it makes sense in a lot. Of, I mean, it definitely gives the speakers control over um, both the exact content they want because maybe they, I don't know what that process is like um, in the, the one or two events in the, the last six years that maybe I've been invited to, they, there was a suggestion of what we would like you to speak about and probably more for a keynote, it's more prescriptive. So I would like a keynote on community topic or, or, or such thing. Uh, so there's definitely benefits to it, and I think it helps the conference probably avoid some of the CFP pit pitfalls. Um, I mean, you want to have a diverse cast of speakers, but then also if your CFP is not advertised appropriately, maybe you don't have a diverse submission pool. Yeah. Uh, so how do you counter that? But I mean, you definitely accomplish that by you, picking. You brought up something very good, and um, I, I can speak to this. Um, you're right. Adam does curate the. Um, keynotes and that is not universal. Um, I've submitted to conferences and said I want to submit a keynote. They say fine, check the keynote box when you submit. Um, but with Adam, uh, well, I, I've, this is the first one I've not spoken at, and um, I just feel I felt it necessary to take a year off, give everybody a break from Uncle Cal. Um, yeah, um, but usually the, the the process, at least with me, and I know Adam deals with um, other keynote speakers in similar ways. He'd come to me, um, the conference is in February, he'd come to me in um, May or June and say, this is our topic. And then I would mull it over for a couple months and then I'd pitch him a talk. And when Adam gives me the topic, it's not an invitation to speak, it's an invitation to pitch, okay? Um, and I would pitch him a talk and he, it, it, usually it would involve setting up a Word document or a, a Google doc and we would negotiate it basically. Um, every one of the keynotes I've done here, um, he's had access to the, the full write-up and would make suggestions and things like that so that what he got was tailored to exactly what he was looking for. Um, luckily for me, most conferences aren't the, quite that hands-on and I could take the ones that he helped me build and pitch them to other conferences and they're yeah, okay, we'll take that. So, uh, but you're right, he does um, do that. Um, somebody else had a comment. Oh, David. One thing I do if I see someone at a smaller conference and I hear their talk and it's something I, I could use at Oracle Open World or I know there's another event, I beg, I plead, I cajole, I do everything I can to say, please do that. Um, I'm curating the, well not curating the track, I'm, I'm managing the track on MySQL at the Southern California Linux Expo and it's one of those things where the submissions weren't flowing in the way I wanted. Uh, they're never the way you really want. Uh, I'd love to have 400 people I have to say no to. Um, but there's a couple of folks like uh, Gabby Diavola Ferrara, who is wonderful. She works for Google, yeah. and she talks a lot on MySQL, which is wonderful for me being talking for MySQL to have someone up there who's very cute, very small, and very eloquent in multiple languages mm -hmm. who can talk about my product. And also just freaking smart when it comes to SQL. Just, yeah. And it, it scares me. And it's one of those things where it's like, hey, we, the call for paper's open, please submit. Yeah. And there's a couple other folks in the community out in Los Angeles that you don't see any place else outside of Los Angeles. And hey, did you remember the call for paper's open? But you have to be very careful. Uh, my very first year at ZenCon, I did this, I invited someone, and I thought, and this person is a good friend of mine, but I thought I was inviting them to pitch. They took it as I was inviting them to speak and we had words when I did not accept. Mm -hmm. And so you have to be very careful uh, when you do that. Adam, you wanna finish this up on this topic? Yeah, I, I, and uh, two points. One, I've had that happen where I've actually been asked to submit someplace, but I didn't realize I was being asked to submit. Mm -hmm. I thought they wanted me to speak and they said, you know, send us a talk that you want to give. That was, that, that was how they worded it. 
and I, I got a rejection letter, and I was like, wait a minute, I thought you were having me speak. But um, on the other thing, yeah, I mean, I do, when it comes to the keynotes, I do handpick them. I do approach the speakers ahead of time for the keynotes and say, you know, hey, I, I, here's the theme of the conference. I want to talk to go along with that. Um, this year, I heard a lot of feedback today off of Chris Hartrich's uh, opening keynote talk, and that was the same thing. I approached Chris back at Detroit PHP. I said, hey, here's the theme for Sunshine PHP this year, and I think you would be the awesome person to give a talk on that line, and, and I basically spelled out, here's kind of what I'm looking for you to deliver, and, and Chris did. He brought it, and uh, he rocked the stage this morning. So, um, and, and it's been that way with, I, I, do fi I have five keynotes a year. This year I did a little bit different. This year I have an opening and a closing keynote, and I consider the three talks in the middle to be a general session versus a keynote, but it's still the same thing. It's along the same lines of it's, it's on a certain topic that I wanted. Um, but, uh, but I found that in the past, you know, we're going on our seventh year, and almost every single keynote that I've had at Sunshine, most of them were unique, or, or most of them was the first time they'd given that talk was their keynote at Sunshine. And uh, I'm pleased to find that they were invited to give that keynote at more conferences the rest of the year after Sunshine. So it tells me that I hit a nerve. And, and that's, the, that's, why I do the, uh, that's why I approach the keynotes the way that I do for Sunshine is because there are certain things that I see need to be uh, spoken about in the PHP community. And it's nice to see that everybody else tends to agree with that because the keynotes have been given many times. I think you give a keynote maybe 10 times after Sunshine generally. Oh yeah, on, on average. And yeah. if, for those of you who have been following my write a keynote um, email list, if you are wondering how to break in and get keynotes, you find a friend like Adam. I can point to Adam and say, I mean, I had given keynotes before Sunshine, but I have really <laughs> taken off um, with the, the, work that, uh, the, the, the work that he puts into helping me craft the keynote. And um, the, he, he pushes me to do more than I would normally do. Um, the average keynote takes me about 60 hours to, to create. And um, a lot of that is Adam pushing me and tweaking and stuff like that. And as much as I hate it, he only wants me to do the talk here first. I would much rather open it on the road somewhere, polish it, and then come home to Sunshine and do it. But he wants it. This is the one. So. Well, he also has an amazing eye for talent, like Ann Gaffigan last oh, year. Oh yeah. And, uh, that was a home run there. That really was. She's she's excellent. And you notice she's made the rounds because she's that good. She's been to a lot of the other conferences so that everybody gets to see her live. Oh, and Stephanie from Pluralsight at the time. Oh yeah, Same Stephanie thing. too. Okay, um, swapping topics here. Uh, we're going we're gonna to take a little bit of a um, swerve here. We have several user group leaders here, okay? And um, we've talked about speaking at conferences and organizing conferences, and there are some parallels to organizing user, user groups. Um, but I, I want to hear from the user group. So we're going to start with Kat. Um, J-Mac, I'm going to get you to talk. Um, Matthew and um, Beth, of course. We're going to um, hear from you all. Um, here's the one thing I want to know. What do you want your community, the people that you talk to every week or every month in your organizations, what do you want them to know about your user group and about speaking at your user group? I think primarily we want them to feel part of the community. Like everything we do as organizers is for the community. We never really make ourselves sound exclusive or we always try to bring other people in. Um, and I think once they feel part of the community, they feel a lot more empowered and they have a lot more courage to actually one day come up to us and say hey maybe I would like uh, maybe I would give a talk and so I think making them actually feel like part of the community because basically the difference between a conference is a 
conference is a sort of enterprise event. You have to balance the books and all of that. A community event is less about that. It's more about just serving the community. So you care a, le a lot less about actually making money. Uh, you actually try as a user group to not make any money because it's not legal mm -hmm. if you're a not-for-profit. Um, so yeah, that kind of is the, the second more, most important thing. The first and foremost is to make everybody feel inclusive. Okay. So. Jeremy, Jason. Uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah. <laughs> J-Mac, yeah, that's one of, the, one of the reasons I choose the nickname over the, the real name. Uh, yeah, our user group actually, it, it definitely started out focused on PHP, but um, Louisville unfortunately isn't uh, very, doesn't have a very large like uh, PHP presence um, as some of the surrounding cities. So we weren't getting very large numbers at first, so we kind of opened it up to be a little bit more full stack. And I felt that that ended up being something nice uh, and was a little more inclusive to kind of everyone, even though a lot of the speakers started out, or especially when I spoke, it was a lot of PHP code samples still, and hopefully maybe kind of educated people on the language. We, we also did, again, you know, JavaScript talks and other things, which I'm sure is common among PHP user groups anyways, but we found it kind of drew a larger audience and, and got things to be a bit more inclusive, so. That's great. Bill. Yeah, I, well, so <clears throat> in talking to folks that are my, my regulars that show up in Columbus, um, I think the number one barrier for having people speak is they feel like they have to be perfect. Like they feel like they have to come in as a pro. I do not, sir. Right? <laughs> and uh, so I guess like my message to everybody that might be listening to this that maybe wants to get into speaking and, and takes that local route, you know, for that first talk is it doesn't have to be perfect. I mean, people expect uh, that you're going to make mistakes and you're going to get that feedback, hopefully it's a, if it's a great group, to, you know, help you uh, correct those errors. So, you know, as a, as a user group uh, organizer, um, I think most of us that are organizing, um, if you know, we're the fallback speaker, right? And I, I don't want to speak six times a year. So I would much rather have an imperfect person speak than have to come up with something else, you know, myself again. So, um, you know, take the leap, doesn't have to be perfect, sign up. It's, it is, as I think Cal said earlier, um, you're not going to get a more friendly audience. So, um, you know, they're going to laugh at all your bad jokes. It'll be fine. Uh, just, just take the leap. Very good. Matthew. Yeah, I mean, like everyone else said, no one wants to see you fail. Um, I've given talks where I'm not an expert, and other people in the audience can actually answer the questions better than I can. And instead of being embarrassed, I encourage it because I know I'm not the smartest person in the room. I'm just the dumbest one willing to stand up and um, say words out loud with slides in the background. But, you know, like Bill said, I don't want to speak six times a year, 12 times a year. Like, I don't want to speak at all at my user group. I want to create a, a community for other people to speak. I just have the organizational skills to put it together. I would rather speak at other user groups away from my own and enjoy that content. So you're never going to find a more friendly audience. You're never going to find a, a happier face. And you know, the user group organizers, they'll be your best friends every step of the way. Yep. I've only had one user group tell me, I'm sorry, Cal, no, we're not going to um, book you. Yeah, that was um, Chris Stone. Sprock? Sprock, yes. There. Chris Sprock in Atlanta. And every time I tell that joke, he tells me, you know that it was just because that one time we had somebody booked. So, yeah. um, But user group organizers usually love when you come up and say, hey, I'd like to speak. Uh, mm -hmm. Because that's just one less thing they've got to worry about. Beth, talk to us. So the biggest thing I want my community to know is that um, we are there to mentor them and we want them to succeed. 
and we want them to be like growing out of our group and into other speaking op opportunities. So we are there to support them, you know, we're there to be friendly, but we're also gonna give them a lot of very in-depth feedback. Um, whenever I have a new speaker speak at my user group, they get a very, very long email from me <laughs> later that night with a whole lot of feedback on, you know, their speaking style, their mannerisms, suggestions for their slides, and all, you know, all different things. And, you know, also things that they've done really well, we try to reinforce the things that they're doing well. So we try to keep everything really positive, but they're gonna get a lot of really in-depth feedback and you know an offer again to mentor them going forward so you know we're here to encourage you so user groups are a great place okay know. excellent and david finish this up i got real lucky uh when i started talking on open source stuff because the old north texas linux users group and the dfw users group used to do like a five minute talk and then the main presentation and if you showed up the second time hey chris I'm, your second meeting here. What are you working? Oh, you're learning VI. Could you do a five minute? Um, it's only five minutes, Chris. You could talk. For oh, five he can't minutes. exit VI in five minutes. So oh, yeah. <laughs> so you get them hooked like that, and they think, oh my god, I got well. It's only five minutes. Everyone can do five minutes, mm -hmm. and usually you can get them to stretch it out to five or ten. And the next time you show, hey, next month we need someone to talk on such and such, and I know you're playing with that area. It's more coercive, a little bit more subversive than just saying, you know, volunteer, go out and recruit these people. Some people you can push, other you have to pull. Mm -hmm. But it, to me, that's always worked better when I was running user groups. Sweetie, are you taking notes? The lovely and talented Kathy, wife 1.35, has just started her very first user group. So, and this is a problem that she is facing. So, okay. <laughs> I want to thank all our guests. Um, as always in It's the Booze Talking, we're, we're going to go around the room one more time. Beth, I'm going to start with you and go around this way. And I want you to spend um, 30 seconds to a minute talking about a project that you are working on. And Kathy will collect URLs. We'll put these in the show notes. But um, this is your chance to do shameless promotions. And I'm going to start with a shameless promotion. As far as you know, this was not the reason I organized this particular topic. But I have a book on speaking, Spin a Good Yarn. <laughs> um, I have a book called Spin a Good Yarn, which um, the title comes from, I did a talk here at Sunshine um, two years ago, and Chris Pitt left a comment on Joined In that said, Cal knows how to spin a good yarn. And I said, that's the title that I want to use. And so then I had to write a book to go with the title. But it's complimenting you on your knitting, though. I know. But um, it can, you can find it at spin-a-good-yarn.com. And if you're interested in speaking, that is a great way to start. Beth, what you got? Um, well, obviously, I'm always big on promoting Madison PHP. So if you are in the Madison area, we'd love to have you come out and speak. I also um, have recently been working on a new project. It's the Madison Web Design and Development Group. And so that's a little bit more of a broad spe spectrum of topics. So that one's really fun. And I'm also going to pitch that anybody who's interested in contributing to open, open source should take a look at the new joined in project that's coming out. So um, definitely, we need all the help we can get. So stop on by. Yeah, talk to us. So I'm being smart in exiting organizing because um, I, I, I value my mental health. Um, but I will pitch two projects. One is openapi.tools. It is a ser it's a set of tools um, that we've collected across the community that is surrounding the OpenAPI specification. Um, so if you're looking to build APIs, it's a great way to uh, work into transformers, mocking, documentation, testing, things like that. Um, and we're also, I'm also getting ready to launch a new version of PHP versions, 
Uh, we're moving off of .info and onto .org, and it's going to be an actual PHP site, not Jekyll. Um, so look for that probably in the next few weeks. So if you're looking for a hosting provider, it'll tell you what versions of PHP they're offering and hope to get more people onto 7.3 and away from 5. everything. Yes, give me money. Chris. Ah, there's a mic over here. Um, so the thing I've been working on is I'm the lead developer for OpenCFP, which is a project that a lot of PHP conferences and uh, surprising to me, non-PHP conferences have been really? using to uh, uh, collect papers. And so one of the things I've been building is a website called OpenCFP Central. Sadly, it's a closed thing because it's run. Uh, I run it through my little side company. I don't charge for it. But one of the biggest complaints have been, and I know I even saw JMac complain about this online, is why do I keep needing to create accounts on OpenCFP oh, yes. sites? Don't go shout at me at once. Um, <laughs> so, so I've been building a centralized site to allow speakers uh, to create their own centralized profile and allow conference organizers to get an OAuth token that then allows people to use their OpenCFP Central account to log into an OpenCFP instance and automatically create an account from them. Nice. So I'm working now on on some of thank you some of the other stuff to go with it. Two other big requested features have been it would be nice to have OpenCFP sort of call home to a central thing to let people know that there's OpenCFP powered conferences elsewhere. And the other thing I'm currently sketching out on how to do is allow the um, two-way publishing of talks. You should be able to. I'm working on the code to take a talk you've submitted to a specific OpenCFP instance, publish it to the centralized one, and then if you log into another OpenCFP instance, it will call to Central and say, hey, I noticed you have a talk over here, would you like to submit that talk to this instance? That'll save a lot of copying and pasting because yeah. when I submit, I go out to joined in and I say, okay, that's my abstract, copy it, paste it. Uh, so those have been like the two most requested features for OpenCFP, and like any open source project, it's done in my spare time. Uh, I wish I had more energy to do it, but as I get older and I moved way out into the country and I have a pool and a hot tub and I can see the stars at night from my backyard <laughs> and I get very reluctant to be anywhere near my computer outside of uh, normal working hours. So and the rest of us are less grumpy for that. Yeah. David, talk to us. Uh, I did a book last year, which was an amazing but draining existence, so I don't have any big projects like that. Uh, short term, next month I'm going to be in Austin teaching for the second time to Chick Tech Austin. Their goal is to train young ladies between 14 and 18 the basics of databases. Oh, nice. So um, I did it last year and I had a seven hour class and had a good six hours of material, so the last hour is a little rough, so I'm working on bringing up my material. Uh, I, it's one of those things where we're getting old. Um, everyone in here, except for Michael, is an old fart. Uh, <laughs> please forgive me for saying that. Excuse He's got another 10 years before he even qualifies to, to get on the borderline of it. And it, it's one of those things where you look at these people coming up and, and they're hungry, they want to know this stuff, and it's vital to pass on the information because they're the ones who are going to be running our COBOL programs and when we retire to get our Social Security. <laughs> Excellent. Michael. Uh, I just want to say I really hope I won't be running one of your COBOL programs in the future. Um, <laughs> What are you uh, going to do when you get out of high school? <laughs> <laughs> He's going to grow a beard. Uh, I, uh, I'm going to have to grow a really thick skin. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, my, my first like, uh, plug, going kind of, and Beth kind of touched on this, joined in, uh, and I mentioned it earlier, we've kind of just sort of uh, refreshed the project a bit in terms of uh, the uh, structure of it. 
Um, but the thing is, is one of the things we're focusing on is we really, really need new contributors and fresh blood, um, to sort of put it bluntly, to come, come into the project and start working on stuff uh, in order to keep the project alive. Um, so if you've got some spare time and you're looking for an open source project to get involved with, um, with some sort of easy pick kind of style stuff, um, then uh, drop me a line. I'll be more than happy to like, even personally, like, like sit down and like, you know, maybe have a call a week, uh, just sort of like looking at stuff you could work on or, or, or stuff like that. I'd love to get you involved with the project. Um, and my, uh, my second plug is, uh, so I'm also the Symphony Security Lead, um, and we've just opened a new bug bounty program. Um, so now we're offering bounties of up to 15,000 euro per person um, for security issues. I don't want to go there. Um, so if you're a security researcher and you want to uh, basically earn some money for, for looking into security issues, then um, come chat to us at Symphony and, and more widely um, sort of, you know, Looking to make the web more secure, like that's one of my goals for this year. How can we do, how can we do that? How can we work together to make the web more secure? Uh, so if you've got ideas about that, please get in touch. Um, we can we can hopefully work towards uh, making the web more secure and making Symphony more secure in particular. Jeremy, Mister, it sounded like a cool idea. What do you mean? So uh, both of my pitches are going to be uh, charitable to other folks. Uh, so Derek Ruthens, uh, co-worker for the last seven years at MongoDB. Uh, recently left, he's going to be focusing, uh, probably do some freelancing, but definitely focusing on xDebug, um, try and make that work. Uh, so check out his Patreon, uh, Derek R. Um, and then additionally, speaking of Patreons, uh, help John Wage get some deviled eggs. Um, <laughs> the Doctrine Project uh, for Doctrine ORM, ODM, uh, DBAL, the other, other such projects, uh, also started Patreon to help support their development um, as well. So uh, check both of those out, Doctrine and Derek R. Bill, talk to us. Yeah, I don't have anything to pitch. Unfortunately, I, I wasn't prepared to like take some money or anything. But um, as I mentioned before, I, I do Columbus PHP. So uh, you know, you're not close enough to probably come to my my group, but support your local user group. Um, and uh, against the better judgment of many people in this room that I've talked to in the past, I see at least three folks. Um, I've been floating the idea about doing doing a conference in Ohio. So if you're if you're interested, uh, tweet at Columbus PHP. Yeah, th there is tons of people saying no right now. No, no, no. Um, that's trash. But that's only yeah. Well, that's trash. So yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, it, it's something I've been throwing around. So if, if there's enough interest, it's something I'll continue to look into. If not, uh, I'll just go to everybody else's conference. Okay. I can come because I can drive. That's true. You're not too far away. Yeah. It, it, it would probably be Columbus. Well, yeah, there is hot chicken. I don't know if it's Matt Trask standards or not. Per yeah, but you'll, yeah, you'll deal. You know that KFC chicken, hot chicken is not really Nashville hot chicken. No, 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 no. Chicken. We 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 have we have a place called. Pink slime. We had it actually. Uh, side tangent, real quick, in okay. 15 seconds. Uh, no, we, there's a there's an individual in Columbus uh, that went down to Nashville, really liked hot chicken, brought it back to Columbus. And it was a great story because he started and he gave um, people a second chance. He, he, his first round of, of hires were all ex-felons. And he was giving them a, a leg up because no one else would hire them. So that's not true today because there's multiple locations around town. But um, so yeah, it was, it was a social enterprise. And uh, so we, we have hot chicken. Six out of ten. Yeah. David, talk <laughs> to us. What you working on? I have a prepared statement. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Is it by your lawyer? Uh, yeah, my wife cleared this one. Well, free time, I don't have any. I have three kids, and one of them is a teenager, and the other are twins. Um, so not a lot of time there. But I do run the local help 
run lo the local WordPress meetups. So we could always use speakers and contributors there in Miami and Broward. Um, I help organize WordCamp Miami. It is next month in Miami. <gasps> and um, so if anyone listening is interested in that and they have a time machine, because they'll probably be too late when they hear this, go to 2019.miami.wordcamp.org. And um, we were always very, very inclusive in terms of trying to get people outside the WordPress bubble. So anybody who's in the PHP, Drupal, Joomla, or even further out from that, we always try to have some people involved every year. And um, last but not least, um, I'm also working on a, starting to work on a project, apparently when I sleep, because I just told you I didn't have any free time, but I'm working on a project that hopefully in about a, maybe in a hopefully about a year will help. It is involving live instant feedback for conference for for not for speakers on stage and getting some live feedback because that has been the number one request from speakers for for the conferences that I help with, including the kids conferences that I'm planning later this year. Is we don't get enough usable feedback, and um, I looked on the join site for last year's event here, and there's a couple of people commenting, but I think there can be a lot more. There should be a lot more people giving user speakers. It should, it should not be just six people giving a star rating or comments or something there should be a lot more than that so hopefully this project i'm working on is going to give some positive reinforcement to speakers on what parts of their talk during during their talk was something that they liked as the audience liked it was great having you here at sunshine but next year i want to see your daughter up on stage at one of these because no, that's uh, usually I, a problem when people say that to me i, I caught her um <laughs> she she was right before me at um orlando this year Yes, she and was. We let her out that, that day. Speaker. So um, you need to get her to Smith. <clears throat> the DJ known as... <laughs> J-Mac. J-Mac, J -Mac. yeah. Uh, yeah, right before this conference, I just finished recording the final bonus video for the Base Code Field Guide. So that was nice because it took pretty much all of 2018 to finish that book. Um, basecodefieldguide.com, which is basically 10 actionable practices to focus on writing less complex, uh, more readable code. So glad to be done with that. Uh, it was a fun project. Uh, so returning and kind of just doing some maintenance work on Laravel Shift, which is automated upgrade services. Um, but there actually are PHP shifts, uh, which are more general. Um, Laravel is kind of the focus, but there's a few in there for uh, PHP as well. So probably looking to expand those since um, getting a lot of upgraded versions, you know, 7.3, 7.4, a lot of movement uh, lately. And then probably going to consider, despite uh, tonight's podcast starting up, I used to have a workshopsbyjmac.com. Um, still have it, but I haven't really done much with it. So I might do a couple of free um, online workshops for those, just from things I picked up over the last year. Uh, I really enjoy kind of doing those. They're virtual, they're easy, um, and fun. Very nice. Kat, talk to us about what you're doing. So most of my free time goes towards the meetups that are organized. So um, a quick shout out to, to those two. If you're ever in the UK area, in the Bristol area or the London area, and you'd like to come and give a talk, whether you're new or, or experienced, uh, then give us a shout on Twitter, at PHPSW for Southwest, and at London Gophers. Uh, and we'll definitely love to have you on board. We had a couple of ben Belgian speakers passing by last month, so that was fun. I want to thank everybody. Um, I do have to give a good shout out to my friend, Mr. Raphael Dahms. I pick on him every time we talk about speakers because he accuses me of um, rejecting him just out of malice. And uh, Raphael, I don't. You know that. I, I love having you um, speak at conferences. No, yeah, Adam does reject him, but not me. So, did I really? Did I not? Okay. <laughs> oh, that's, One that's, last. That's interesting. 
that's because I that's because I know what Adam's working on. No, <laughs> Adam, talk to us about what you're working on. All right. So first off, if you're in South Florida, come visit us at the SoFlow PHP user group. And second of all, I've been working on a new thing. It's on uh, YouTube, it, which is Beachcast. So please head out to youtube.com uh, slash Beachcast and check out the videos there. I appreciate anybody uh, watching and subscribing. I've got videos out there on creating development environments and Docker for PHP. Uh, I've been using Zend Express. I've been using Doctrine, um, which uh, there's not a lot of videos out there on Doctrine, so I've created some for Doctrine. Thank you. And, uh, and uh, you know, the, my last one was creating hypermedia for PHP REST APIs. And I'm getting ready to do another video to follow up on that to automate the process and make that a lot, lot easier. And then we're going to be doing some open API. Matter of fact, I'm going to be meeting with Matthew Trask tomorrow. And we're going to be uh, implementing open API spec on the application that I've been building on Beachcast. So that'll be another episode later. And, but please check it out and uh, give me feedback so I can make it better. Thank you. It's been very good, very good so far. I love it. Thank you. Yeah. It, other than the fact that you you know shoot it there at the beach, it's a it's a wonderful thing. Well, there's a reason why it's called the beach guy. Yeah, you just because you <laughs> want to rub it in that you live at the beach. We know. <laughs> I want to thank all my guests here um, tonight. Appreciate it. You've taken time out of this um, conference to, to to be with us here. And Adam, I know you've got a really busy schedule. You got things you still got to get done tonight. So thank you for being here. Thank you all, and for all my audience, thank you for listening. I hope you have learned something from it. I know I take away something every one of these, and we will see. See you next episode right here on Voices of the Elephant. Thanks for listening to Voices of the Elephant. Voices of the Elephant is copyright EICC Incorporated and released under a Creative Commons attribution, no derivatives, share and share alike license. To nominate someone to be a guest on Voices of the Elephant, visit our website and click on the nominate link. The URL is voicesoftheelephant.com. Elephant is of course spelled E-L-E-P-H-P-A-N-T.